Cashflow Guys Podcast, Episode 27. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to learn to earn with Tyler Chef. Welcome back, listeners. We have arrived at episode 27. This is going to be a unique episode. We're going to pull the gloves off. I've got Larry Harbolt in the studio. Larry's starting his own podcast. He's here in the studio. We're recording some episodes for his podcast. And we came up with a great idea for an episode that we thought you guys would really enjoy. The title of this episode is going to be Dumb Stuff That Investors Do. Dumb Stuff That Investors Do. Larry, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The reason we started this episode is that we're sitting here going through some of your episodes and, and building our mutual po- podcasts and coming up with, and we, as you talk, we hear about the dumb stuff that investors do. It's the stuff that I see out in the field every day. It's the stuff I know you see out in the field every day. These are very simple but very common mistakes that investors make on a regular basis. Now, Larry, correct me if I'm wrong. Our goal here really is to help these people stop making the mistakes. You've been making mistakes for 35 years. Absolutely. And I've been making mistakes for about 16 years. And I, I tell me if I, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I have learned what I've learned and I've gotten as good at what I'm doing and built my portfolio based on those mistakes, learning from those mistakes, walking away from those mistakes with a lesson. Yes. Now it's cheaper for me. I don't know about you, but it's cheaper for me than uh, paying for a college degree. That's absolutely sure. You could spend a couple hundred thousand on a, on a, on a uh, college degree. And I've only lost a quarter million in real estate investing. So I think I'm money ahead. Yeah. At this point. So let's start with number one. I know this is a big pet peeve of yours. I've been to all of your courses. People being in a rush to make money fast, to get rich quick. Let's talk about that. Okay. Well, the the problem I see with, with investors today, they all are in a hurry. Uh, like I've said before, they try to get the cart before the horse. They want to learn one little aspect of real estate investing and think that that's going to be their road to riches. And it's not, because real estate investing is a lot bigger than that, and it takes a lot more learning. But by being in a rush, they only know one way to do it. And that don't mean that that's going to be the most profitable way to buy real estate forever. You know, but what about all those funnels on Facebook? You got the thing on Facebook says, click here, Free download, you get the ebook, and then you get the, the, the $75 course that turns into the $500 course that turns into the $50,000 course. And folks, you would think that $50,000 course, you should be able to get rich overnight, correct? Who's getting rich with those courses? The people you pay the $50,000 to. Amen. Because, you know, I've learned through the years, like I've said numerous times before, I was a building contractor years ago, and I never built a house starting with the roof and build down to the foundation. You always start with a solid foundation, and you build up. 
But today, people want to start at the roof level. But the problem is, when that niche that they're they're trying to accomplish, because it's the only thing they know, when that doesn't work, it's not the fad anymore, their business is going to fall like a house of cards because they have nothing other that they know how they can do deals. And that's why it's so pathetic that everybody is rushing out to pay these high prices for these uh, real estate courses that are going to teach them a niche that is only going to last as a popular thing for a short period of time. And it's going to change as the market changes. You need to have multiple ways to buy properties if you're going to be successful because what won't work today will work tomorrow. And you have to be prepared. And that's what we're seeing right now. I know you're, you and I are both seeing this. Some of our mutual friends that are that are wholesalers, that's, their, that's really the only exit strategy they have is they flip houses. And now the market's hot. There's low inventory. There's not as many distressed uh, properties for sale or, or they're having a harder and harder time finding properties to flip. You know, they, they, if that's the only strategy they have, they don't have another way to build wealth. Well, they're now calling us on the phone going, well, now what next? It's like, well, <laughs> you guys, where you been? You should have been paying attention. I know your last seller finance and boot camp that I was at, we had a couple of wholesalers just to stop in uh, for a day or two to, to listen to the, the meat and potatoes of your course because these are skills, the skills that you're putting out there, these are skills that people absolutely need to start taking action and learning these different exit strategies, learning how to negotiate seller financing terms, how to negotiate or how to take title and protect themselves and things like that. So, you know, we say this time and time again, this is not a get rich quick. You guys got to stop falling for these traps that are out there. You know, you think the course, there is no secret sauce. Larry, you've been doing this 35 years. You don't have a secret sauce. One way of doing things, one method of doing things that's guaranteed to win every time. It's just not possible. Well, here's the issue. When I'm trying to buy a property, every seller has a unique reason why they're selling the property. Not everyone has the same reason. So one way to buy doesn't work. What I found is if I can find out what a seller really wants, I can create a deal. But if we're just throwing dollars at deals, that doesn't mean you're doing a good deal. That just means you're throwing money at a deal and uh, you hope you make a profit. Because the gurus told you you would, right? Exactly, and that's one of those that one of the you know you on the on your uh, laminated sheets that you put out, you talk about the uh, seven different uh, exit strategies that you, you most commonly use, guys. That's powerful information. You got to get your hands on that. I was fortunate enough to acquire those sheets recently. That the information there, it's really I want to you know kind of talk about that just for a brief minute. Just my own testimonial. I've had them now for about a month and a half. That's 35 years. That's like your cliff notes. That's the Larry Harbolt cliff notes. Right. That's the bottom line stuff. Now, along with that, a lot of information, even though it's cliff notes, cliff notes, you've condensed it down. That brings us on to mistake number two, dumb stuff investors do, overanalyzing the deals, analysis paralysis. I know you see that a lot, don't you? I do. And and it's it's too bad because people that don't have a good understanding of how investing works, you know, I remember when I first started uh, I knew I had no money. I had no credit and I was making cash offers. I would make an offer and then I would stay up all night sweating and feeling like I was going to throw up praying that they didn't accept my offer because if they had, I wouldn't have been able to close on it. <laughs> right. And I know there are a lot of people that do the same thing. You've got to have multiple strategies, but what happens is 
people who don't know what to do. They don't know the seven buying strategies that I teach. They only have one, cash. If they can't pay cash, what they'll do is they'll analyze and analyze and analyze. And pretty soon, the property sold to someone else and they lost because they didn't know how to pull the trigger. Exactly. And that's what I teach my students is how to do it multiple ways. Give the seller what they want. You buy more property. Exactly right. Exactly right. And, you know, when we talk about anal- overanalyzing, there's the other the, the other part of the uh, the spectrum there. The other side of it is forcing the numbers to work, you know, or not even taking the time to do the numbers at all. I see this a lot on the retail side as a realtor. I just did one of my recent episodes was where the people are showing, the realtors are showing a quote-unquote investor a $100,000 house price at $100,000 that only rents for nine fifty a month. That dog doesn't hunt. At least that math doesn't work for me now. No. What, I mean, they're obviously, I know in your courses, you teach going through, and you went through this in the seller financing course. You use the T-bar method. You, we, we, we went through those exercises to get familiar with those numbers. And guys, this is the stuff that you need to do. I, you know, whether, I don't care whether you're a beginning investor, you're an advanced investor. You need to get a hold of uh, Larry's breakdown where he goes through every single element of the deal as far as the financials, the numbers. And that's where it begins and ends. Every one of the things I remember you talked about in your courses, you'll help people break down the deals provided they fill out all the spaces in your deal analysis worksheet, which folks is lengthy. And that's because we talked about overanalyzing. That's not overanalyzing. That's doing your homework. That's breaking down all the information so that you can make an informed decision. Well, you need all of that information. Absolutely. And the reason that that sheet is made the way it is, is because you need to start becoming habitual, collecting as much information as possible. Because if you've only got part of the information, how can you make an intelligent decision to buy? And that's what I see too many people do. They have no information. They're just throwing dollars at the deal based on price. And that is not how you buy property and make money. You have to know your numbers. Well, and even worse, you know, I, I, it scares me when I run into, and I run into this a lot, uh, buyers that they come to me looking for property and that's great. I'm glad they're here and I'm here to help them. But they come to me and they say, I've got a hundred thousand dollars. I'm ready to buy a house. I'm like, well, why would you want to buy a house with a hundred thousand dollars? Let's get 10 houses. Right. I mean, Absolutely. Well, I had a, I had a, a, a real estate agent friend who came to me one day and she said, Larry, I've got a great deal. I think you're going to be interested in it. And I said, well, okay, tell me all about it. She said, it's, it's a house that's worth a hundred thousand and I know we can get it for 94000 6000 equity. And I said, there's no deal there. And she said, what do you mean there's no deal? It's below market. I said, well, let me ask you a question. How much is the commission on this property? <laughs> well, it'd be yeah. 6%, $6,000. I said, the seller would have to come to closing with money. with money. And I don't think they're going to. And why would I pay full price for a property, where's my profit? I have to buy below that. If I'm going to make a profit, I have to buy far below retail. So I have to factor in all of my costs. That's why we do the breakdown in the boot camp is to break it down so you know each one of your costs. So when you get to your bottom line, you know what you can pay for that property. If the seller doesn't want to sell it to you at that property, move on. Because if you're going to make a bad deal, why would you do it? That harms your family. 
you know, and here's the thing that I've seen with some of the guru courses, because yes, I've taken them and, and um, Larry, I know you've looked at a lot of them as well. Why do they, I, this is a question, you've been doing this 35 years. Why do the gurus skip over the numbers? Why does that, that's usually like the five second version of the course and everything else is the hype. Well, it's very simple. When you're in seminar land and they're selling you a high price product, they don't want to talk about numbers because that takes work. People today don't want to work. They want to buy a piece of software, they put in their computer, and they go to bed, and tomorrow morning there's a million dollars in their bank account. <laughs> right. Folks, that, that just doesn't happen. No, it doesn't I hate to burst your bubble, but that's not going to happen. So the point is, they don't go over that because the people, if they think they have to actually work, may not buy their high-priced course. So they're not going to go over numbers because it's just – They've got a foolproof way of doing it. We just do it this way, and you'll you'll make money, and that's hogwash. You know, and a lot of what I've seen it because I've called a few of them on the carpet is I don't really think that all of the gurus or a great number of them really don't know how to break down the deal. I don't think they know the numbers. They don't understand markets. They don't understand market research. They don't understand uh, valuation, property valuation, or at least the valuation it is to the individual investor. They're not taking the time to do their own homework. They're just pushing courses out the door and hoping that someone's got 997 that will sign up for the next next course, which... Well, but wait, now, here, let me bring this to light. My mentors, the people I learned from, right. there's four of them, and they had well over 200 years total knowledge in the streets doing deals. So I would rather feed off from their knowledge than I would off some young person that probably never bought a house. They just learned how to speak in front of a crowd and teach a a lesson that's prepared for them because they don't understand the fundamentals. The people I learn from, believe me, they know the business, and I can learn the details. That's why I teach details is because if without the details – you're not making good deals. Yeah, and you're actually teaching. The other thing you teach that's most important is you're you're a kitchen table guy. We've said this before. I'm a kitchen table guy. That's how I've gotten my experiences out in the trenches doing the deals. Granted, I've sat at plenty of, of seminars, yours included, and you you are one of the few people that have actually taught the details, the, the, the soup to nuts, what we really need to do uh, to learn, the different exit strategies and all that. But more importantly, like you had said in in, uh, in one of your podcast episodes that will be released really soon, is you got to write offers. You That's absolutely right. got to get out there and write offers, and you got to get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable, or, I mean, get comfortable with being uncomfortable, letting people say no, and then learning how to overcome that. That's another thing to talk about. I don't want this to turn into a sales pitch for your sheets, but they're just so amazing that you, it, I don't have a, I can't shut up about it. You talk about the seven, per, the different personality types, the four personality types, and how do you how to understand those personality types, so that when you do get the numbers to work, that you can make you can match the solution with the individual identity of the person you're talking to. Correct. And you know, there's another thing that we talked about. You learned that from experience. Well, yeah, and and but well, I learned it from you. Yeah, <laughs> I learned it from your experience and from those sheets. But um, you know, inheriting another's nightmare, and I know. Subject to is popular. It's sexy right now. Every guru in town is is selling courses on subject to, and you can walk in and take over somebody's mortgage. Doesn't matter if they're upside down. Everything's great. Again, these two things tie into each other, forcing the numbers to work and inheriting somebody else's nightmare. These people go out and, and you get into a subject to scenario, but they haven't done the homework like you've taught to break down how much is my monthly cost. Debt services factored in there. 
if that mortgage payment's fifteen hundred and the rent is a thousand, guys, that those numbers don't work. Absolutely, you're coming out of pocket. <laughs> and uh, add to that, the the folks are upside down. You're jumping into Larry. Your term is the quicksand, and, and I couldn't explain it better myself. It's they're jumping into the you're jumping into their quicksand, and I know you see this a lot. Yep. Yeah. There's no sense in doing a bad deal. You know, I, I see people, I run a weekly meeting. Some of you know that. I run a weekly meeting in St. Petersburg, Florida. And I've been doing it 16 years plus. And I have people just starting who come there and they think everyone in the room is successful except them. Quite the contrary. And the truth, you're right, it's not the truth. But so they want to do a deal like all the other people are doing. And many of them just want to do a deal and they're willing to do a bad deal just to do a deal. That is not how you get started in this business. If you want to do a bad deal, it'll run you out of this business quickly. Yeah. Because those financial seminars you take are ugly. (laughs) That's for sure. I've sat through a few of them. Yes. Let me tell you this one, the next one, I'm going to go ahead and spell it getting caught in bidding wars. I see this on the retail side. I see this so much, and I've talked about this in previous episodes, but I can't reiterate this enough again. Guys, whether or not, you know, you see these the foreclosures, these are the assets that the bank's not in the house business. They're in the lending business. They want to dump these assets. However, here's the, here's the, the, the secret sauce. You want the secret sauce in real estate investing? The banks understand that these properties, that people will fight over them. Okay, they price these things artificially low to get the prices to get to get a bidding environment going to raise the prices up you get 10 15 people so in some cases i've seen recently recently had one 45 offers that's absolutely ridiculous 45 offers on a $50,000 house that tells me that there's a lot of inexperienced people they're bidding with emotion they're getting caught up in these bidding wars and they have access to cash right but what you and i are doing nobody bids against us and why is that because we're the only ones bidding on the house exactly because we're not going for properties that are for sale we're focused on properties that are off market that are right. not for sale and that's where you get some of your great deals granted i bought the fourplex my first property here uh in this recent this go around real estate this one was on the market but understand it was on the market for over a year the owner was a real estate broker that had all the answers to life, and uh, I was able to get a to negotiate a fantastic deal. However, what I focused on was I sourced the opportunity. It just happened to be this was an ugly place that needed a lot of help, and it was mismanaged. So I was able to use that, finding that problem, renego- and then coming up with a solution for the problem. I was able to use that, those skills, to set myself up with a great investment. Same thing with your properties. You're, Larry, you're, you're shopping at a store that has no other customers. Correct. And that's a beautiful thing. I mean, you don't, <laughs> you're the only game in town when you're sitting down with these people. Well, let me explain. Many of my listeners know that I, my wife and I send letters. We get a list of non-owner-occupied free and clear properties. Those are properties that have no debt on them, and the people that own them do not live in them. We send letters to those people. There are thousands all over the country. Uh, According to statistics, between 30 and 40% of all the houses in this country are free and clear. So most people are looking in the MLS. I'm going after properties out there that nobody else knows are, are for sale because even the seller doesn't realize it's for sale until they get my letter. And then they say, well, gee, maybe we'll sell. 
So I've got a unique market because now I know the property's paid for. I can make a deal with that seller, and I don't have to worry about bank financing if they will carry the paper on it and let me make payments to them for the next 20 or 30 years. And again, I deal with I deal with this a lot in, in on the retail side. Is I got a young kid right now that I'm, I'm mentoring and I'm helping him through the process get his first investment property. He's got a pile of money sitting in the bank, and most agents would have you know just parked him in a, in a rental property. He wants to get a duplex, triplex, whatever. And I was just having this conversation the other day. He finds properties on the MLS. Granted, there there are no deals on the MLS. Larry said this before. I've said this before. Deals are made. Okay, they're not found. They're made. You got to build them. However, you're looking for properties. When you're on the MLS, you're finding properties that are already for sale. Now, with, with him, he's a young kid. He's just getting started. He's, this is going to be his first multifamily property. I'm teaching him to go out and source opportunity. He needs to be able to find opportunity. And, you know, it's driving him crazy because he knows that I'm an agent and I have access to the MLS, which he thinks is some super secret, uh, super information, super highway that just has these deals waiting to be plucked off the computer. And it's Nothing's farther than the truth. Not to say that there's not opportunities there that we've looked into, but the numbers did not make sense. Again, we're not, he is in a rush to make money. I am not in a rush to make sure that he succeeds and builds himself a nice foundation. Am I driving him crazy? Probably. But I want this kid to be successful, and that's right. why I've, I, we're well, doing what and we're doing. One thing for all of our listeners the, the thing that I recommend if you're just getting started, you have little or no money. If you could find a duplex, if, especially if you need a place to live, if you can find a duplex that doesn't need major structural work done to it, you could buy that if you could get it on terms because you can't get bank financing uh, if it needs a lot of work. But you could move into one side, rent the other side, and you could live for free. And that's a good idea for younger couples if they're willing to do the work to fix the property if they're willing to do it themselves. And that way, when they get on their feet, they have enough money coming in from other sources, they can move out, now they got two rents coming in. It's an excellent way for young people to get started. You know, Larry, I want to move on to the, to the next section. That's a great point. And that falls right in line with our next section is, you know, working with, if now, Larry teaches, and, and of course, I've taught, even though I am a realtor, I, that's not, in most cases, going to be the best scenario for every investor starting out. Here's why. Most realtors are not investors. They don't understand investing. They're not taught that in real estate school. They don't get what we investors do. They don't understand how we think. Larry, you teach uh, courses four times a year, eight times a year now, and you don't get a lot of agents that come to your courses, and that's because I don't, I don't know why that is, and I wish it was different. And I know you've gone to great lengths to reach out to the realtor community to try to educate them on how, what investors think, and you've had a pretty good response. That needs to improve. But here's the thing, folks. If you're out there and, and you're going to work with an agent, you're busy, you're working a 9-to-5, you're having a hard time finding opportunity, you've, you've done different things and, and things haven't worked, and you, you maybe need some help maybe getting a pocket listing or something like that from an agent, you got to find an agent that has rental property, not one that says they're investor-friendly, because everybody who needs commission says they're investor friendly. I can hear me here right. to tell you. Right. Got a real estate license in my back pocket. Big deal. That means that I spent 64 hours of my life to learn real, really nothing. The reality of it is, though, if you're going to find an agent and you're going to work, if you decide to work with an agent for whatever reason, not saying it's a bad thing, I'm just saying it's not absolutely necessary. By any means, it's not necessary. Don't think that it is. 
But if you're going to work with a real estate agent, find one that that has currently has rental property, and more importantly, is successful in that property. I'm not talking about one rental house. They need to have a, a few properties, and they've been doing it a while. They have a track record because really you're trusting them with your money and what you're going to put into it. Another solution would be is to go to a local RIA meeting and find somebody that you can that will mentor you and maybe help you on the journey. Maybe you can add add some value to them, help them source opportunity, do a deal together, things like that. That's a great way to to get started. Well, true, it is. And the problem with most real estate agents, not the ones that come to my trainings. The ones that come to my trainings are people that are real estate agents, but they're not making enough money. And so they want to learn the investing side of it because that's where the money is. Real estate investing is a business. Most real estate agents don't understand the business. And if they did, I don't think they'd work for tips. They'd work for profit checks. And those are the people that come to my class. They're more interested in learning how to do it to make money. And they make great students. They do have a background, and they do have access to the MLS. But the way I do it, I don't need the MLS. And this is what my wife and I have done for years. And the MLS, you know, it has its purpose in life, but it's not the end-all, be-all. And, and I don't want you, you listeners to get caught in that trap. It, it, I've seen guru courses out there that offer an MLS option, and they, they offer it for, I think, what one I saw recently was $300 a month to get, some sort of unauthorized access to the MLS that folks, when you get in there, you're not going to really see anything different that you can't see on public records. It's, it's really no different. And if, if especially Larry, you're an appraiser by trade, you know, you, you were a licensed appraiser and you talked about this at your seller financing bootcamp, the MLS is not the best place to find solds. What the MLS is going to show you is what's been sold by realtors, but it's not going to show you all the transactions. Well, and it's not going to show you true value. True. And if you're it's, buying, right, because look, I can buy a house, from you, let's say it's worth 150000 and I can structure a deal and buy it from you for 120000 That has nothing to do with true value, but they're going to use that as a comp. Now, having been an appraiser, they take the souls, and they throw out the highs, and they throw out the lows, and they take an average of the middle sales. But the issue is, with all the short sales that have taken place, they have skewed the comps, and the only way you can get true comps is to compare apples to apples. And in the MLS, the sales are apples to oranges because those houses are not identical. The only way to get a true comp is identical houses in an immediate area that have the same amenities. Everything is the same. If you don't have that, it's not a true comp. And another thing, people who get appraisals, and they think it's good for six months or a year, an appraisal's good for one day because prices change because of inflation, uh, market conditions. So a true appraisal is only good for a very short period of time. You want to remember that. And keep in mind, if you're, as an investor, you're out there buying and you're looking at uh, comps, quote-unquote, uh, from the MLS, you don't want to be looking at those are the high numbers. You don't want to be looking at the high numbers. You want to be looking at the low numbers. You want to be looking at some of the investor sales that have gone on in the area. If you are in a negotiating situation and the seller is throwing Zillow in your face or, or some realtor comps they got for some real estate agent that showed up with the gold coat and all the awards and the 17 letters behind their name with all the designations that nobody understands, including them, 
that's not realistic value. You're going to have to use, if comps come into play in your negotiating tactics, you're going to need to be armed with information to educate the seller as well, because I am, I assure you they are misinformed. Right. If a real estate agent has been there before you, they're going to think their house is worth $50,000 more than it really is. You're going to need accurate information. Guys, the accurate information you need is right there at your fingertips for free in public records. I don't care what city, county, state you live in. There are There is free access to all of the historical sales information that you possibly need. And like you said, Larry, using relevant information, comparing apples to apples. Don't compare if you're buying a, I, I had this recently on a du, the guy was had a duplex for $170,000 and he's comparing a house down the street, a single family house down the street in a deed restricted neighborhood. You want to talk about apples and oranges. That's right. more like apples to cherries. I mean, it was just. But it was in a general location, a certain area. And so he was using it as a comp, but they had nothing to do with each other. They were not alike. Much and, more. And, and here's another tip, uh, my friends. You don't want to use the assessed value on the property tax statement. Never use that as value unless you're buying, of course, (laughs) (laughs) because that has nothing to do with the value of the property. It's based on the average of sales and the amenities within the house. And so you want to forget about that because if there hasn't been a sale in that property for years, in most cases, that's going to be less than what it's actually could appraise at. So if you're using that when you're buying, usually it's low, but when it there's a sale on the property, then they reset it saying that's the market value. So it goes up. But if it's set there for 25 years and never had a sale, in most cases that number is going to be low. And I've used that as a negotiating point because I can show them on the tax statement what the appraised value is has nothing to do with value but they believe it does. Yeah, exactly. And Larry, I suppose we should wrap up. The last thing we want to talk about uh, on our list here is getting sucked into the guru hype. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I go nuts over this. Yeah, me too. Well, like I was, we were talking earlier about this. My biggest problem with the gurus today, uh, number one, they're young. And I had said that all my mentors had over 200 years of, actual experience buying houses, selling houses, dealing with all the issues. These young people, most of them, they haven't lived long enough to know anything about real estate. They've gone to a course or they've learned a pat talk that somebody gave them, but they wouldn't know how to go out and structure a good deal if it smacked them in the face, I don't believe. Most of them are just out there selling courses, teaching minimal stuff, and it's not worth the money. So being sucked in by those people to me is a, is a crazy thing to do. I've got students. I've got one student that I found out just paid $70,000 to learn how to be a wholesaler. $70,000 to learn how to buy low and sell high. To buy high and sell low. Oh, no, that's, that's not right, is it? Yeah, no, it's the other buy way around. Buy low and sell high. <laughs> Remember that. But that person thinks they got a good deal until they start talking to somebody that understands how real estate works, and and now they feel that they really got ripped off. I know a lot of people that have spent between twenty and 40000 and at first they think they're doing great until they start learning about real estate, and then they find out they didn't learn much. 
That's just it's 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 too bad. It is. It's too bad. But you know, and hopefully, this is part of the reason why I'm doing the the Cashflow Guys podcast and why you're doing your podcast is to get this information out to people. This is the, the and granted to some of you, this is very basic stuff, and you probably listen to this show going, "Well, I know all that." Well, there's your first mistake. If you're saying that right now, you're in trouble. You're, you, we put this episode out here for you. If you think you have all the answers, trust me, I don't have all the answers. I, neither I do I. I assure you Larry doesn't have all the answers. No. We make mistakes. I learn every day, just like everyone else. The minute I stop learning, I'm done. I'm That's not going right. to sign any more contracts. I'm done. I'm going to go to Key West and drink beer and sit, sit my toes in the sand with, with Jill. That's what I'm going to do. Thank you very much, guys, for coming out and taking your time with us today. And I know some of the stuff we've talked about before, but the reason why we're bringing it back up again is because it's so critically important. Here at the Cashflow Guys Podcast, it's our mission to keep you guys out of trouble, to give you the information you need to be successful and to take action. We say it all the time. I'm going to say it again before we wrap up. Real estate is not a get-rich-quick scheme. There is no secret course. There is no special software that's going to get you to where you need to be. It's going to take rolling up the sleeves, doing some work, investing for wealth. You're investing for cash flow to build wealth over long term. Lots of ways to do that. Lots of different extra strategies that we're going to talk about. Um, and I just want to reach it to you guys. If you want to reach out to us via Facebook, go to cashflowguys.com forward slash group cashflowguys.com forward slash group if you want to reach out to me individually you feel free to do so by going to cashflowguys.com forward slash ask tyler cashflowguys.com forward slash ask tyler this concludes today's episode you don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.